Our scripture reading, we read from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. And we begin with, with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bond, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So far we read from the scriptures. The text we consider consists of the first three verses of Ephesians 6. There we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, here we have a passage that is specifically addressed to the children of the church. When uh, we read of this epistle, when we read this epistle that was addressed to the saints, addressed to the holy ones, addressed to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's how the letter of Ephesians begins. And then in this letter to the saints, the children are addressed. Bringing out the point that we often stress the fact that our children are included in the covenant. And that our covenant God addresses them specifically and says to you children here, you children who are included in the covenant, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he directs you children to his promise. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that and thou mayest live long on the earth. That is a comforting word, word of instruction. It is an exhortation to the children. And also, the children are comforted with the words of God's promise. God's promise, which are to his people in Jesus Christ. And we say that you children are included in the covenant, which means the promise is to you, no less than to the adult. 
Covenant promises also to you. And Lord willing, we'll be talking about that. In the third point tonight specifically, we'll look at that promise that is referred to there. But we begin by looking at the the submission, the obedience that is required here. And we bring out the importance of us talking to our children about what God says specifically to them. And that we do that also in the worship service. There are those that have a separate, sometimes they call it like children's church, that when the, in the official gathering they, may le- they might leave. Well, we have all the children here. And that is a good practice to have all the children here. Now, with regard to the question where some say, but there's many things that are said in the preaching that they, they, may, not, they may not understand them. Well, we add to it. We add to it instruction in our homes so that as the parents go home, they can also give instruction to the children. And parents are often quite... They, they often take note of how the children hear and, rec- and understand more than they may have thought. And that they pick up on various things. And of course that continues to grow as they mature. But also we do see the importance of adding to the, the official proclamation of the gospel and our services on the Lord's Day that we add the catechism instruction, which is a form of the preaching of the word of God in such a way at a level that the children can more easily understand. And that, for you children here, that's why we have that catechism instruction. We recognize it is also good to have the, preach, the, the word preached to you in such a way that it's easier for you to understand. And so in addition to the gathering here, twice, every Lord's Day, We also, at certain parts of the year, have the catechism instruction. Of course, the catechism instruction is a little bit different in a number of ways. There's also back and forth communication in catechism, which also serves to bring on another aspect of giving instruction to children. And that is that it is important, and this is important for us to carry out in our homes, for us not only to give the instruction, but also to talk with the children about what they've been taught to be sure that they understand. And that's involved in catechism instruction, that not only are you asked various questions, but and then you have to you memorize many things, and there's quite a benefit in memorizing things, but it's also good to ask questions, to ask you questions and to hear how you're going to answer a variety of questions to see your level of understanding. And that's good for us also to do that in our, in our homes. It's easy to just teach... And then if the children are asked a question by somebody else and we're wondering, I wonder how my son's going to answer that. I wonder how my daughter's going to answer that. I know I've instructed them, but then sometimes I may think, yes, I taught them, but how much have I spent enough time making sure 
that he or she understood that. And to see if they had any questions about that and try to explain to them any areas where they may have had a question. That it's quite important for there to be that back and forth instruction too. And that in the process we also learn together, which happens in the catechism room and it also happens in our homes as we study together. You know, this letter, the thought is that when these letters were written, like this letter to the Ephesians, that these letters would be sent to churches, would be letters would be read in the churches, and one would think that likely the children would be, be there. So here this letter to the Ephesians is written, and as it goes and to a church that is then reading the letter, the children are addressed, making a reference to what they're called to do and making also a reference to God's promise. And that principle, talking about the calling, talking about the promise, the promise and the command. That's what we're to preach, the promise and the command, and that's also the instruction that we're to give to the children. So not just simply the command, but also the promise of God. And of course, all of us are called to be submissive. Children are specifically addressed here, but the things we say to the children, you children, we recognize that these, this applies to us too, and that we are to be obedient to those in positions of authority over us. It's not only to children in the home, although the command specifically to children obeying the parents applies to children during those years when they are children. And they're being instructed by their parents, and the time comes later when they go out on their own. They're no longer children. We're to honor our parents our whole life. And that's, of course, the way the, the fifth commandment reads, that we're to honor them. That is, that's constant. We're to honor them. That command to honor a father and mother, which applies to those also, others that are in authority over us, here that is referred to specifically, though, talking to children and telling them to obey. There's... There was already a reference to wives submitting, and then now it's children obeying, and then later it's going to be servants obeying. So talking about the husband and wife, the parent-child, and then in the, in the workplace environment as well. But here when it's specifically addressing those who are children, it says for them to obey. And we recognize, too, you children, as we give you instruction to what you're called to do, we do recognize that God teaches us in that, too. The things we tell you to do are things that we know that God talks to us about doing. Like if we get on you about, if we talk to you repeatedly about how you need to be more diligent in your work, well, we hear, we hear the same thing ourselves. 
Even, it may be even as your father or your mother is saying that to you, that it comes to his mind or her mind, areas in which he or she must be, should be more diligent. Or when we talk to you about showing love, and being patient, and being forgiven, and forgiving, rather, other people, then we recognize we're telling you to do things that, all, that we're telling you the word of God, which also comes to to us. But we make specific note today about the instruction here concerning the home, how important it is, our relationships in our family. And we have the section that we just recently considered with regard to the husbands and the wives, regarding marriage, and now we look at the relation between parents and children. This time, instead of dealing with the first, the first three and verse four that talks on the calling of the fathers, looking specifically at the thir- first three that has to do with children obeying their parents. And looking at the text under that theme, children obeying their parents, looking first at the reason, secondly, the submission, and then thirdly, the promise. Why should children obey their parents? That'd be an interesting question to just ask the t- you know, people in, at random. Should children obey their parents? You might hear, you know, people unbelieving parents might speak to their child and say, you listen to your mother. I'm your mother. You listen to me. So you hear, you could hear even an unbelieving parent that might speak that way and telling the child that you need to be obedient and that you need to do what your mother or what your father tells you to do. The question is, well, why is that? Someone might say, well, that, you know, they're older or they're wiser. God gives us the reason this is right. And the word translated right there is a word that has the idea of righteous. This is righteous. Do this, because this, for this is right. Now that that in of itself is important to take time to hear hear that instruction, which applies to you children, but applies to all of us, thinking that God tells us, do this, this is right. tells us what's right and he tells us what is wrong he tells us what's contrary to his command what he forbids what's right is what's in harmony with some standard and when the question is asked 
well, what, what is the standard? It's right according to what standard? Well, we could say it's right according to God's law. Looking deeper, one can say it's what God commands us is in harmony with his own perfections. The righteous and the holy God. And in Colossians, the parallel passage in Colossians, and there's often a benefit in when one finds a parallel, and in Colossians and Ephesians, as we pointed out, there's a number of parallels. So when you read in Ephesians, you might expect that in Colossians there's probably a parallel passage addressing the children, and there is, and that's in Colossians 3, verse 20. And there it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So you put that together. This is right. This is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So that one is to do what one's parents say, when one is a child in the home, knowing this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, the Spirit works in you children. And it could be that your father or your mother tells you something, and it may be that the Spirit brings this word to your remembrance. You may think, you know, I don't want to do that, and I don't know why my dad is telling me to do that. Or I don't know why my mom is telling me to do that. Why can't somebody else do that? Why do I have to do it again? Why can't it be my brother that does that? Why can't it be my sister? Why do I have to do it now? Can't I do it later? My mom's saying, do it, or I want you to do it right now. Well, why can't I do it later? Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And then you remember that our God talks to you. He's your God. And he tells us what's well-pleasing to him. So that we don't just think this is what mom is saying or this is what dad is saying, but this is what God is telling me to do. Guiding me, governing me through my mom, governing me through my dad. This is what God is telling me to do. And doing this, doing what I've been told is right. It's well-pleasing well-pleasing unto the Lord. And is it not the case that you desire to do what is pleasing to the Lord? If that question was asked you, do you desire to do what's pleasing to the Lord? Well, certainly you'd say yes. Well, this is. This is well-pleasing. Well-pleasing to the Lord. The parents are in a position of authority. Now, if somebody says, well, what is authority? 
What does that mean to have authority? And you children, it's important that you do understand what it is to have authority. Authority means you have the right to rule. Many people in the world will say they rule. And you have to do what they say. Like if they're stronger than you, they might say, you got to do what I say because I'm stronger than you and I can make you do it if you, if you don't listen to me. That doesn't mean they have authority. They may be stronger. They may be older and stronger, perhaps, but that doesn't mean they have authority. Authority is the right to rule. The right to rule and the right meaning the right to tell somebody what they are to do and what they're not to do. And if there's going to be any discipline for not doing it, there are some that have the right to rule, to determine what the rules are, to determine what's the discipline going to be, and so on. The question is, who has authority? That's the question. The short answer to that is only those to whom it's given. God has all authority. When we talk about God being sovereign. He has authority. All authority. But then... There are those to whom authority is given. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, after Pilate said, Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Because Jesus gave no answer. Pilate asked, you know, was talking to him, Who art thou? Or actually, he asked, when, <clears throat> not who, but whence, whence art thou? And Jesus didn't give him an answer. And then Pilate said that, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power, and have power to release thee? And Jesus responded then, and said, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Well, to whom does God give authority? Confers all authority on Christ. Start by mentioning Christ who declared that all authority, all he has all authority in heaven and earth. God governs everything through Christ. That's what, when we say Christ sits at the right hand of God, that means God governs things through Christ. And then through Christ, there's authority bestowed on, on others such as parents. The parents have authority that's been given to them. And there's others also. 
that have authority, that are in positions of authority. And we recognize that that applies in the home, that applies in both to marriage, it applies also to our parents. When we're children, we're to obey our parents. They are in a position of authority over us. We recognize there are those in authority positions in the church and also in, in civil government, for example. And it pleases God to govern us by their hand. They are in office. They have a position and that God has given them and we are to honor God honoring those who have been given authority to rule over us. Authority is not might then, it's not also ability. Somebody may say, we talked about somebody saying, you know, I rule, I have authority, you have to do what I say because I'm stronger than you. Another argument one may use is they may think that somebody should have authority because of their ability. Because of their wisdom. Maybe they know more. And so it is thought. But it's not specifically having to do with, with knowledge. And we can't reject somebody because of a perceived lack of knowledge. That's one of the common reasons somebody might give for not obeying would be that they think what I was just told to do was unwise. And so that the one in position of submission says, I, I, don't, think, I don't think I should have been told to do that. And so just deciding not to do it. And applying that to children, you know, if a child was to think, well, I don't, I don't think my mom should have told me to do that. She's telling me to do things that she could tell somebody else, or there's no reason for me to have to do that now. It certainly can wait, and then to just decide on our own. It's one thing if a child asks, is it all right if I do something later? But if the mom says, I really want you to do that now, and the child disagrees, doesn't think that's, that's the way it should be thinks there's no reason why it has to be done then. It's perfectly fine to do it later and just to just decide not to do it then. But the idea is if we, what we just determine is wise, what we determine is best, is what we're going to do. Where rather what God tells us is that we are to submit to those in authority recognizing that God has given them the authority that they have, and God is the one governing us by them. And that's the reason. It's right. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. God has given them a position of authority over us, and it pleases him to govern us by their hand. So we are to be submissive. Now here it specifically uses the word, the word that's translated here in Ephesians as obey. I brought this up not too long ago too. Number of words, number of places where you have a word translated obey 
that the word has an idea of hearing. Apply the reverse would be when someone refuses to hear. They will not hearken. Now we're to listen to those that tell us. Now sometimes what can happen is a person pretends not to hear. You know, or they think that it may be that their parent is giving them instruction. They may be aware of the fact that it sounds like they're receiving instruction from the parent, but they're at a little bit of a distance, and instead of going and finding out what their parent, their father or mother wanted, if they thought they were, were direct, giving them some, some direction, to just move in the other direction, and then be able to say, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you, or I didn't hear you all that clearly. Well, the idea is that if we you know if we really if it really is the case that we can't hear, that we are to go and find out what what was said. We're certainly not to use that as an excuse when one really was deciding I'm, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to pay any attention to what he or she is saying. They have a feeling they're proud. He's you know she. He or she is probably getting on me for something, and I'm just not going to pay any attention. Perhaps, perhaps one has, uh, you know, perhaps one has earbuds in, for example, and senses and can tell from facial expressions, you know, that uh, parents giving instruction. Well, you know, I've got these things in now. It's going to be easy for me to say I, I couldn't hear, rather than recognizing it's important to hear. And if you, for some reason, you cannot, for you to do what is necessary so that you can hear clearly what is being said. And receiving what is being said. Listening, being attentive to what is being said. Of course, it's easy to have somebody talking and then you're not really paying an attention and then you recognize you should be later and then you say, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I recognize I should have been, but I was thinking about something else. Obedience should be cheerful. It's something that to be done inwardly. It's not just externally doing it. And certainly you children have had instruction about that. Your mother or father tells you to do something, and then you go ahead and do it, but while you're doing it, you're murmuring something. Well, say your mother or father told you to clean your room, and they've told you a number of times, and you haven't actually done it. And then you say, well, I, I'll do it later. And say, I, I've told you a number of times, and you're still not doing it. I want you to do it right now. You say, I don't want to do it right now. I'll do it later. I've told you before, I want you to do it right now. So they go into the room and they're doing it. And while they're doing it, they're murmuring. They're saying things. They're upset about the fact that they have to do it right now. And why do I have to do this? And they're not really doing it the way they should. And they're kind of throwing things around. And they're thinking, I'm doing what I'm told. I'm cleaning the room. But 
One can be doing something on an out and an external way, but not really from the heart the way one ought to be doing it. And that's another example, you children, that if you could have, if something like that was happening, you'd probably expect that your mom or dad, if they hear what you're saying, would come in and talk to you and say that the way you're doing this, son, this is not showing proper obedience. And maybe even bringing this passage here, that you're going and doing it, but you're doing it in this way, it's important to be submissive from the, and to show from the heart your thankfulness to God and be submissive to the direction you receive. Well, if, if we tell you children that, we recognize that that applies to us who are adults in other matters. When we may have something that we're told to do and we really don't want to do it, but we realize we're told to do it and we can be murmuring while we're doing it. Maybe nothing's coming out of our mouth. So maybe nobody around us would even know we're murmuring. But in our thoughts, that's what's going on. We're murmuring, we're complaining. And that's not what we're, that's not what we're called to do. We're to do it cheerfully. We are to be prompt. We're not to delay. We're to obey in all things lawful. And we talk about that quite a bit. When it says obey your parents in the Lord, that if parents were to tell their children to do something they ought not, and the most obvious example that would come to mind is if parents would ever tell their children, now if somebody asks you about this, tell them this. And it's a lie. Now, in that situation, a child would have to say, well, Mom, I, I, that wouldn't be true. I can't do that. I can't tell them what's not true. Or to say, Dad, I can't tell them something that's not true. And it should never be the case that parents direct their children to tell somebody something that just that is not true. We recognize when it says, obey your parents in the Lord, to do with you know all things that are in harmony with what God commands us in his word and when we are disciplined we're to submit to that discipline and again recognizing that God governs us through our parents and that we're to receive that discipline and be submissive to our God now, you know, we talk about the fact that what a, what a comfort it is and what a joy it is to have believing parents. And as we're talking about this word, we're talking especially from the viewpoint of having believing parents. That in the home, the covenant children, as they receive that instruction from parents that are believers, well, it may be the case that you have one parent that's showing themselves to be believing and submissive, and maybe the other one is not. Now, that's a very, very difficult situation. 
In such a situation, with regard to the one that is not, well, a number of us may have parents that have not shown themselves to be ones that are believing the truth. They may be ones that make an outward confession of the truth, and, and, there, may be, and there can be differing degrees as to how far they may depart from what Scripture teaches. And they may be practicing things that are contrary to what Scripture says. And we don't, you know, if they direct us contrary to the word, we don't, we don't do that which God has told us not to. We're still to honor them. Even if we cannot do what they tell us, if they tell us what to do is wrong. And if... Once we're out of the home, we still honor parents. If we have parents that really do not walk in truth, we're still to show them honor, that they are, they are the ones that the Lord has given us as parents. And that would continue throughout our life, that. But if we are in a situation where we have one parent that is a believer, To also remember to thank God for that fact. That while you know that a child that can able to say that my mom or perhaps my dad, by the grace of God, has been giving faithful instruction to me and has remained faithful, teaching the truth of the word of God. Be thankful to God for such parents in very difficult situations continuing to remain faithful and in giving instruction and love to the covenant children. Parents are to listen, or rather children are to listen to their, the instruction that they receive from their parents also as they grow older. You know, one danger as a young child, one danger is that as a child grows older, that they're not as, if their mom says something, they start to think, well, my mom could be the case in some place. Situations where they think, you know, mom's not going to really spank me all that hard. And so they're not as quick to listen to what mom says. Thinking that the spanking that may come upon them isn't going to be all that bad if they even get one. And then they can sometimes try to persuade their mother not to tell, not to tell dad. It could be that later on the father comes home and finds out about it. And it is important to bring out the instruction that the child is to obey also the mother. And to show honor to their mother. And it isn't that they only do it when dad shows up. But that they see the importance of being obedient and thankful. Obedient to the mother that God has given them and to be thankful. Thankful for her. It's also good for children to listen to those, not only their own parents, but those in the 
generation older than them. There's a danger when children will, as they grow older, if children are going to listen to their peers. You think of Rehoboam. And you children know the story about Rehoboam. The northern tribes come to him. And he wants, they want him to lessen the amount that they were having to pay in taxes. And then he told them to leave and come back later and he'd give them an answer. And then the older men gave instruction to him about how he should be a, a servant of the, show himself a servant of the caring for the people. The wiser ones, the older ones, ones that had been with Solomon, his, Rehoboam's father. But instead, Rehoboam, as you know, listened to younger ones that had grown up with him. And there, there can be an application of that, that the same kind of thing can happen where people, they tend to listen to people their own age group. And we converse with people in our own age group. But it's important for us not, not to block out and to not hear, to not receive the instruction that's given by those that are older than us. And that applies our whole life. That as we grow older, we continue to learn from those well, younger and older than us. We recognize that there are those that are older than us that are, and, they, and we hear the, the instruction that they receive, that they give to us, the guidance that we receive from them and we're to be thankful to God for that instruction and to seek that guidance at times, to go to those that are older and to ask their thoughts on various matters. In the giving of the instruction, as parents give instruction to children, and Lord willing, we'll talk more about that next time. But it's important for the parents to remember that the ones they're instructing have a depraved nature just like we adults do. But also to remember that they are God's children. We know that not all of them head for head are saved in Christ. We know that. But we address the children as we address one another as adults. We address one another as believers. God makes his covenant with us and our children. And as we give the instruction to them, we are to tell them what God says. And what they are to do in line with what God tells them. And that it is important also for us to lead by example, to give instruction in word, and also to lead by our example. And also that we continuously bring to them God's promise. So that as we read the scriptures in the home, 
that we not only make applications see this is what God says we're to do. See, this is what God says we're not supposed to do. See what happened when this one did what they were not supposed to do? We are to say those things. And repeatedly, we're to bring those things out in Scripture. We're also to remember to continue to talk about the promise of God, the covenant promise of God. That we receive in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ who himself was subject to his to Mary and Joseph. We read of that in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus himself as a child was subject to Mary and Joseph. In Hebrews 5 we read of Jesus learning obedience. That's quite something. We know of course he was always obedient. We think of the suffering. We're reminded of the suffering. And he remained obedient even while suffering. That Jesus is our Savior. We have salvation in him. He was obedient unto death. Even the accursed death of the cross. And all the blessings that are promised to us in Jesus Christ. Now, specifically in this passage, we have a reference to the fact that that command, honor thy father and mother, has a a promise connected with it. It says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and it refers to it, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now when it gives a command, when it gives a promise like that, people have wondered, now what does that mean? <coughs> Some have wondered, does that mean that if you submit to those in authority, it's certain that you're going to live for a long time in this life? Well, we know it's the case that there are, there are those that, that believe and that walk in truth by the grace of God who die when they're quite young. And there are those that are disobedient that continue on for quite some time and may live to be very old. They read of somebody that's, you know, currently setting the record for the oldest one on earth. And if you were to ask them what they believe, they don't believe the truth. Well, look how long they live. And of course, we know too that long life is not a blessing to an unbeliever. God's promise, whenever we come across a promise, we understand that God's promise is particular. 
the covenant promise, which means it's only to those who are in Christ. Yeah, when we have this promise, we can think of what is it telling us about the reverse. If we have this promise here about the long life, what does it mean and what would, what would be the, the opposite? First of all, with regard to what it does mean, what does God say regarding the meek? You think of somebody who's meek, who's submissive. What does God say with regard to the meek elsewhere? Elsewhere, he says about the meek, the meek will inherit the earth. So when it talks about living long on the earth, the meek will inherit the earth. And when we hear that instruction about living long on the earth, we're reminded of God's promise that we will live forever. There will be a new earth that God's people will inherit. It's a gift. It's not something we've merited. We will inherit the earth and dwell forever with God. It will be well with us. It will be well with thee. But that's what God says regarding his people, regarding the meek, regarding the disobedient who reject authority, which is so common today. They blatantly reject this idea, and they make a mockery of those in positions and authority. And people even talk about it as if throwing off authority, then, then, then you're, you're free. You're just going to, that's going to be freedom. That's going to be life. That you reject what you're told by those in positions of authority. Well, God says about them, quite in contrast to what he says regarding the meek, about them in Proverbs 20, verse 20, he says their lamp will be put out in obscure darkness. And in Proverbs 30, verse 17, it says, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it. And you think of someone coming to death and having birds eating one's flesh. That said regarding those who reject what God says, who do not hear, who do not obey, and who walk in darkness. In contrast, it says regarding God's people who by the grace of God believe to the meek, to the submissive, It says, the meek shall inherit the earth and live forever with God. 
and our mind is on that, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We remember what God has promised us and the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ. The life that, the fact that he's with us now and he averts evil or turns it to our profit now in this life and also that we will dwell forever with our God. Thankful for our salvation, we want to do what's pleasing to him, that you desire that, and I desire that, and the children, it says, obey your parents. This is well-pleasing unto the Lord, to show your thankfulness to your God for the salvation that we have in Christ. We pray for you children. We love you. And we desire the grace of God as we seek to rear you in the fear of the name of God. And as we all, you children and all those of us who are older, are called to be submissive, may God grant us the grace to submit to him. And together may we talk about God's word, his promises, and what he calls us to do. And may we live to his honor and live in hope, believing the promises that we have received in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O Lord, for thy grace and thy mercy. We're thankful, O Lord, for the many children that thou hast given to us. Grant grace unto them, O Lord, we pray. And grant us grace as we seek to encourage one another and as we seek together to be submissive and directed by thy spirit and to live to thy honor. Forgive our sins, keep us from sin. In Christ's name we pray, amen.